It's pretty easy at times to feel discouraged. Times when you just feel like throwing in the towel, giving up and not doing anything. Sometimes our life of faith gets to that point where we just don't want to go on walking with God. We've been spending time in this letter that Paul has written to Timothy in 1 Timothy, where Paul is encouraging Timothy to instruct and remind the believers about how they're actually to behave in the church of the living God. And for us today, we can learn from this because strong churches have strong believers who don't give up because those strong believers are continuing, are persevering, and who don't give up despite what is in front of them. Now, all of us from time to time have gone through seasons of discouragement where we do feel like giving up, and maybe you're in that spot right now. But Paul offers to Timothy seven traits that believers actually have that will indicate whether or not they're going to give up. We're going to go through those traits today, and as we do, I want to challenge you, but also encourage you to evaluate yourself, rate yourself, whether you're always doing these things, whether this is a trait that is really yours, or whether this is more like a something you aspire to, you sometimes do it, or you barely do it at all, just a little, and then there's this other category is, you know what, I never do this. You see, it's pretty easy for us to give up if we're feeling discouraged. And today I want to encourage you so that that discouragement doesn't rob you of the blessings that God actually has for you as you walk by faith. So let's pick up these closing words that Paul writes to Timothy, uh, and let's just apply them to ourselves as we look at what these traits of believers are who persevere. He writes, But you, O man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Jesus Christ, who while being who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, 
who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from this godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is called falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Well, here in these closing remarks that Paul is making to Timothy, we see how Timothy is being instructed to behave and Timothy is being encouraged to tell that to others. It's really about living our faith out in the midst of the world that God has called us to do. And there's this great temptation, this great urge at times for us to be discouraged and just give up. Well, one of the first things that Paul tells Timothy is that he is to flee. He says in verse 11, but you man of God, flee from all of this. To flee means to run away from, going in the opposite direction of whatever. Paul tells Timothy these things. Well, what things is he referring to? Well, we have to go back into verses 9 and 10 to see what things he's referring to. He's referring to this desire to be rich, where the love of money causes all kinds of pain and sorrow. And he goes on to say that all of those desires, cravings, are senseless and harmful. You see, a desire to have things like cars, boats, houses, four-wheelers, new furniture, the latest technology or gadget, this desire to have the accumulation of wealth. Paul tells Timothy to flee. <clears throat> you see, flee to flee is to reject every opportunity and temptation to have greed grow in your heart. You see, God is telling us that if we want to throw in the towel, one of the fastest ways to, to go in that direction of throwing in the towel is to actually not flee from the desire to be rich, but to run to the desire to be rich. Well, how often do you flee from this desire to be rich? Is it something that you always do every day? Is it something that you do every once in a while sometimes? Or is it a little and maybe it's never? You've never even thought about fleeing from desires that are in our world where greed is just cultivated and grows. Well, our faith doesn't really grow in that kind of environment if we're pursuing those things. Instead, we're to pursue. Notice as we continue reading, it says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness. 
See, this is the second trait. Our first trait is to flee these things that he's mentioned here, like greed. But to then pursue these other list of things, of righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Even if we were just to pick one of those things and pursue them, it would help us in our journey of faith. To pursue means to run after it, where you're going towards something that's worthwhile, where I'm making choices towards these things. Righteousness is just being in right standing with God. Godliness, which is godly character. Faith, where I'm living and walking by faith, not necessarily by sight. Love that abounds to those around me, including my enemies. A faithfulness, a steadfastness, a remaining firm, and then gentleness, being gentle with all. Is that something that you're actually pursuing? Do you pursue gentleness? Do you pursue love? Well, again, this is something that either we're always doing, we're maybe sometimes doing, uh, or maybe we're not doing it at all. You see, it's pretty easy to get discouraged in your faith journey or to even get to the point where you're departing from faith when you're not pursuing the things that God has for us. And it's not just fleeing and pursuing. Here's the third verb that's used in this context, and that is fight. In verse 12, it actually tells us to fight the good fight of faith. To fight the battle of spiritual warfare. Did you know that there is a fight of faith that's actually happening around you? And we're to actually engage in this fight of faith. That's why he says, fight the good fight of faith. We're told in Ephesians chapter 6 about the shield of faith that we are to use to quench the fiery darts of Satan. We're to engage in prayer and the use of the word of God to oppose the temptations that come to us from Satan. You could be more than ready to be in the fight, but are you active in the fight? See, it's not about being ready to fight. And sure, there's all kinds of training that need to be done by military personnel before they can actually go into combat. But they're still just sitting on the sidelines if they're not in the battle. They're not active. They're actually just a reserve force. But if we're going to not depart from the faith and to not be discouraged and to not feel like throwing in the towel, then we actually have to be in this good fight of faith being active in it. So are you, are you there? Are you there sometimes or are you never there at all? In fact, maybe for you, you don't even engage in using the word of God to fight and oppose the temptation of Satan. You see, if that's you, you, you're going to be in this place of easily being discouraged. 
We need to dig into God's word and use the word of God as a sword in our fight, in our battle against Satan and the temptations that he brings. Here's another verb that's used, and that is grip. In verse 12, as we continue to read, it says to fight the good fight of faith. And then it says, take hold of eternal life. This idea of taking hold means to grab. And it's used twice in this whole section of the letter, also in verse 19, as they take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, we are called to hold on to eternal life in a certain way and not to lose what we have. For any of us that have children or grandchildren and we've been walking with them, we know as a parent that our grip on them is way stronger than their grip on us. So it is with God. God's grip on us is always greater than our grip on him. But sometimes, just like with our children, we as parents or those that are in places of authority grab hold of our kids, not necessarily by their hand, but maybe by the wrist and say, come on, you got to get out of the way of this danger. You need to come with me. And usually when we grab them outside of their hand, we're communicating to them that they need to do this, but also that they weren't so willing to grab our hand. You see, our hand has to be reaching and gripping towards God's hand just as much as God's hand is reaching and gripping us. Do you have a grip on God? Are you reaching out to him, taking hold of this life that he has offered? As it, as it says here, but take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Here, as Paul is reminding Timothy, he's saying, you know what? You made this confession. You actually announced to people that you believed in who Jesus was. You committed your life to following him. And it's now your responsibility to continue to do that by reaching out and continuing to grab and taking hold of him. So how often are you reaching out, seeking and gripping onto God? It is known for sure that God is always reaching and gripping us. But can we say the same thing about ourselves? Are we always reaching out to God? Or is that some kind of a sometimes, maybe even little, or you know what? Never. I've never reached out to God. Well, if you've never reached out to God, it's pretty easy to explain why you could be having feelings of discouragement. And for those of us that have a relationship with God, but we have never gone to God with some of the problems that we're maybe facing, yeah, it would be easy to be discouraged. You see, one of the things that marks a strong believer is that we're gripping God. 
We're playing our part in this relationship as God's hand is holding us and our hand is holding his. And this is actually a trait of those believers who persevere. You see, believers who are persevering are fleeing uh, the things that would cause us to wander away from God. We are pursuing righteousness. We are fighting the good fight of faith. We're gripping God for all that he has for us. And we're persevering. And we're obeying. As we continue on here, we see this fifth characteristic of obeying. In verse 14, as we read, we are told to keep God's commands. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blameless until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we, we are to do everything from this point of being faithful to Jesus. God has a number of commands that are contained in Scripture. The Ten Commandments. There's also the New Testament commandment to love one another, as it's also seen in the Old Testament. But to go further than that, there are so many different commands. Now, you may think that those commands are burdensome, but they're not to the one who actually loves God and is pursuing God. And these are commands that we are to keep until the appearance of Jesus. That is, until Jesus actually returns. We don't change the commandments of God because culture has changed. He has given us everything we need to obey in his word. In a world of compromise, which we live in today, we actually, as Christians, as believers, need to double down on the commandments of God even harder. We don't say, well, the world is different now, so it doesn't really matter. I don't have to obey these things anymore. These are outdated. They're old-fashioned. They're just a bunch of traditions. Well, to disobey the commandments of God is not a sign of a believer who actually perseveres. Strong believers with these traits of perseverance actually obey God's commands. And they always obey God's commands. They work towards obeying. It's not just sometimes or a little or never. It's this desire to always be obeying the commands of God. You see, this is what Paul was charging Timothy with, was to obey all of these commands. And it was in obeying of these commands that he would be strong in the faith, and then in turn the church would also be strong, and around him would be strong believers who are committed to persevering. Well, he doesn't stop yet. He just continues on, and as we read in verse 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain. This word command is also uh, a verb. It's an action word. Command those of us that are rich. 
And by the way, if you are listening from Canada, if you are listening in a Western context, more than likely, you are rich. Rich in comparison to those that are in the whole world. And it's so easy for us in our Western civilization, our culture and the standard of living that we have to be proud, hoping and trusting in our money rather than hoping and trusting in God. We are commanded here by Paul and again through Timothy that we are not to put our hope in wealth, but to rather put our hope in God, which, by the way, God richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. We actually need to say this to each other. And this word command is a strong word. It comes with force. It means to command as in direct an order towards a behavior, towards a certain distinct direction. We need to do that to one another. So let me ask you the question, are you commanding other believers that they're not to put their hope in riches? Now, some believers God has blessed through chance, and they actually have a large amount of wealth. Are we challenging one another to not put our hope in riches? It's not that we can't have wealth, it's that we can't have our hope in wealth. And do you find yourself living day by day having your hope in riches? And actually, you can be really poor and be in a place where your hope is in riches instead of being in this place where you are telling and commanding those around you not to put your hope in riches. You see, if we are always commanding others to not put their hope in riches, we are going to be one of those believers who persevere. But if we're never challenging others or commanding others not to put their hope in riches, then more than likely we ourselves have our hope in riches. And we ourselves will be disappointed and discouraged when we don't have the riches that we think we should have. And we get discouraged, we get disappointed, and we want to give up, and we don't persevere. Well, here's the last trait that he mentions here, and that is guard. In verse 20, as he's closing off here, he says, Timothy, this is just point blank, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Guard what God has given to you. And he goes on to say that you need to avoid some things. He says, turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas. So avoid these things that are falsely called knowledge. You see, this idea of guarding is protecting and keeping this watch over where we're alert to an enemy and we're defending a position that is actually important. 
and guarding what God has given us or entrusted to us in faith means that we are active in persevering. And it's a trait that believers have as they persevere through this life. So if we're going to be a believer who is persevering, who is overcoming discouragement, we are fleeing the things of this world. We are pursuing God. We are fighting this fight of faith. We are taking hold and grabbing on to God. We're obeying his commandments and we're encouraging others to obey by commanding them to obey the commandments of God and guarding what has been entrusted to us. I guarantee you, if you are always doing these seven traits that are listed here, you're, you will be a believer who perseveres. But now it's time for you to evaluate yourself. To look at where you fall on this spectrum in these traits. Is this something that you always do or maybe you just do these things a little or maybe you never do? You see, if we're in this place where we never do them, you are about to give up and your faith needs some encouragement. You need to step up and engage in these traits. And maybe for you today, that just means rededicating your life to Christ and saying, you know what? I want to give my life fully over to Christ. I sort of wandered away from these things, but I'm today coming back. I'm coming back to what it actually means to be a believer in the kingdom of God. Well, maybe also for you, you have been doing these things. And I want to encourage you to keep doing these things. To know that you are actually a very important piece in the local church. That you need to continue to, to flee and to pursue and to encourage those around you to do the same thing. To give example to the obedience. To give example to the grip in your pursuit of God. As you guard what God has entrusted to you. Let's none of us give up on following Jesus. May none of us depart from the faith. But may all of us be strong believers in strong churches that are persevering until the day that Jesus Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for how you work in our hearts to cause us to pursue you, to cause us to persist in the things of faith. Lord, I pray today that you would help us be strong believers of strong churches so that we can stand for your truth no matter what happens in the world around us. And Lord, for the person who is wavering today in their pursuit of you and just feeling like giving up this whole faith thing because it seems so hard, Lord, I pray that they would rededicate their life to you and make a commitment to follow you wherever 
you would lead. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.